Today, I'm calling on more country, more companies, I should say, in the private sector to step up with vaccine requirements that will reach millions more people. If you're a business leader, a nonprofit leader, a state or local leader who has been waiting for full FDA approval to require vaccinations, I call on you now to do that. Require it. Do what I did last month. Require your employees to get vaccinated or face strict requirements. was our president, Joe Biden, sharing on the day that the Pfizer vaccine was FDA approved. Up to that point, it had just been authorized for emergency use, but talking on the day shortly after it was approved by the FDA, telling companies in America that to mandate, or in other words, he used the word require this of of your employees, just as he did to the government employees, or what happens? You lose your job. It is unbelievable that America is at this point, and that's what we're unpacking today, totalitarianism, American style, and it is moving in that direction. There could be no clearer, more uh, uh, poignant uh, example than our own president in that video clip. And, And to help me unpack this today, uh, on our pa- podcast is a good friend, Gary Crawford. Welcome, Gary. Thank you, David. It's good to be here and good to see you, Zoom-wise. Yeah, and this is your first time on Insights, so super exciting for me. And uh, I got to share this just by way of personal introduction that, that Gary, I'm so glad you're on this one in particular because you're always flying at like 30 or 40,000 40, feet in terms of how you're processing what God's doing in the world today and uh and all kinds of the scriptural underpinnings, all that kind of stuff. And I typically, when I start talking to you, think, when I start talking to you, I typically think that I'm already flying myself at 30,000 feet. And then I listen to you and I'm like, oh, I'm probably at about 5,000 feet. So anyway, thanks for joining us. Thanks for the insight that you're going to bring today. And, uh, and really appreciate your specific focus over the years on the bride, the bride of Christ in the, in the end days, makes herself ready. And uh, is that, if I'm remembering right, is that from Matthew 24? Uh, actually, in Revelation, it talks about the bride made herself ready. Um, and so there's a responsibility on the part of the church and those who are, know Jesus as Lord and Savior to, to get ready, especially as you see the day drawing near. Uh, you've got the Hebrews tense passage. There's all kinds of instructions about things as we begin to perceive that we're moving into the times uh, of the Lord's return and the, and the things that precede that. So, uh, yeah, we can explore that a little bit today. Yeah, so kind of launching off here then related to that Jesus' second coming in totalitarianism, the scriptures speak of a global totalitarianism that emerges more and more, and then eventually then the Antichrist figure takes center stage. So we're deeply here into the end times scenario, but I think let's back up a little bit and let's just talk about uh, again, I want to refer back to what the president was saying, and I also want to put some scriptural underpinnings about what's going on right now and why this, in my opinion, is so dangerous. And and so when we hear the president saying, asking corporations to require the vaccine, now we're into vaccine mandates. And they kind of couch it as, well, this is not coercion, 
uh, or this is not a forced vaccine because because you have a choice. You can you can lose your job and find another job or whatever. But if we actually drill down here, this idea that's going on, it's being propagated right now, and it's not just President Biden, it's many others in the in the media and other leading figures. It's this idea of mandates. And if you're mandating something, it truly is coercion. Now, of course, they're not seeing vaccine coercion because that would be inflammatory to most of us. And we'd be like, whoa, stop. But that's actually what this is. And, and the, uh, the definition of coercion is, is the use of force or intimidation to obtain compliance. Hello, that is where we're at and why we're using the, the, the vaccine or talking about the vaccine right now is because it's just an example of other areas that they want to move us into compliance. And then the definition goes on to explain it's force or the power to use force in gaining that compliance as by governor, government or police force. So there's the definition. And I think as Christians... Step one today on this podcast, and we want to help people all respond in faith, and we're going to give biblical underpinnings to everything we're talking about, but I should say biblical context as well as underpinnings. But we need to stop and say, what in the world are they, the government, whoever, demanding of us, coercing us to do? It is not just a vaccine mandate or a mask mandate or lockdowns. What this is is coercion by definition. And so, obviously, I'm very, very concerned. And Gary, if you want to expand on that, fine, or you know, talk about should we accept this, or where is this fitting into the end time scenario, just, just go, go ahead. Well, I think that um, uh, last year when the China virus hit, I, I felt, I, don't, I do not think it's from God, but I do think that God permitted it. And what, what it ended up happening is, is you see people that have come out of their foxhole either with fear or with faith. And I think God wanted to see where people, and I think the enemy wants to know where people's hearts are too, because he uses fear to move people. And this country, frankly, for a lot of years has been moving down a path of fear. Just watch some of the advertisements. You know, you you take this pill, but your head could fall off or your arm. I mean, everything is based on things that could happen to you. And if you don't take it, you're missing this portion of your life or something like that. And I believe that there are certain medications that are certainly valid and helpful. But we've been moving down this path of influence and things and moving people away from faith into fear. And fear is not from God. And so we've shifted from a country that was founded on faith uh, that's easily trackable back into the documents and the men who did it. We've abandoned that stuff. And to your point about totalitarianism, we're facing in America things that we're seeing out of the government that are moving away from constitutional righteousness or appropriateness that they have to follow a protocol. I mean, we're, we've made the vaccine pretty big. It hadn't even been FDA approved at this point. Well, um, the, the one Pfizer version has. But I don't think it's been fully, hasn't it not been fully FDA approved? In other words, it's, it's been, they're leaning in that direction, but, and, and I'm, again, I'm not an expert in that area, so I'll, can, I'll defer can, to what can you I, know about it. Can I just yeah. interject real quick, and then I want you to continue. Um, so my understanding is that, that this Pfizer vaccine has been FDA approved, but if you drill down and actually look at the, what's gone on, 
it's actually a European version of the Pfizer vaccine that's not even administered in this country. And so even this has uh, lies attached to it or smoke and mirrors or whatever. But that's my understanding. Anyway, probably a deeper dive than we need. But go ahead, Gary. And so with that said, what I said about the Lord and, and kind of the enemy, because we don't battle against flesh and blood. But, you know, we're not going to outmask. We're not going to outvaccine. I mean, even yesterday, I think it was announced. Now there's a MU version, an MU version that supposedly is oriented in Colombia and some other places. In other words, and this is not uniquely in the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. And that leads into we need to, I believe, that the body of Christ needs to wake up, not just to what's happening in this country relative to the government and unrighteous use of the Constitution being usurped, but we can't miss the fact that God's doing something worldwide. Mm -hmm. And I know that uh, I want to say this before I give you just a couple things that you can observe that would tell you, I could give you five things right off the top of my head that are we're seeing right now in our lives that were uh, precursors to the return of Christ. And, but one of the things that I think that the church has missed is um, kind of twofold. First, when he speaks to the Laodicean church, the problem, and, and I think there is a level of the Laodicean church in our age, Jesus is outside the church, knocking on the door, trying to get in. Hmm. He's not inside the church. He's, he's knocking, saying, invite me in. And I do think he's asking us to invite him into some things right now. Secondly, unfortunately, in the Laodicean church, we perceive he is in our church because we're Christians. And that's, that's a great deception, that when we find him standing outside and knocking on our door. Remember the second Christian. Corinthians 7, 14 passage, which is quoted all over the place. It's not about the nation, what's going on in the nation. It's about my people doing this. And so there's a great burden and weight that should be upon the body of Christ and those who uh, follow the Lord um, to wake up. And I, I, this is another piece that I think the Christian community needs to realize is that many people have living by the fact that I, you know, Lord's going to destroy the earth and I'm going to get raptured out of here and I'm going to miss some of this stuff. And I want to read to you a passage in Thessalonians 2, 1 to 4, because is this, Jesus is this, uh, Paul, is, is this Second Thessalonians? Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 to 4. This is Paul warning the church to be getting into this dream mode. It says, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above God. And it goes on there, but my point is this. I, I fully believe we're probably in the great falling away right now. We're seeing people call evil good and good evil, but there's I don't know in Scripture that it tells us how long that time frame lasts. But to my knowledge, the man of perdition hasn't been revealed. Right. And so whatever is going to happen in the rapture, whether you're pre, mid, whatever, it ain't happening until after the man of perdition is revealed. And, G and Paul strictly warns, don't let anybody deceive you. So the issue is, what should we be doing as we see some other things I'll mention here between now and the time that that does occur, whenever it is? And we could debate that all night. And that's not really, that's a waste of time right now, in my opinion. Let God take care of that and it'll happen when it happens. But the bigger responsibility is, Will he find faith on the earth when he returns, he says in Luke. And that's a responsibility that I don't think he's seeing out of his church right now, which is kind of the response to this whole China virus fiasco. Uh, 
I will say this just as a, back in March of 2020, I kind of asked the Lord, I said, I was in my quiet time, Lord, what do we do with this? And the only thing he said to me was, do not draw the sword like Peter did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lashing out in anger and taking it into our it, own hands. Exactly. Because Peter, and God, he loves Peter, so don't get me wrong. But Peter did not realize there was a pivot at that point from Jesus's ministry. And he immediately turns to Judas and says, it's your hour. Do what you must do. In other words, he recognized and fixed Peter's response. And I don't think the church recognizes that we are moving out of the time of the church age into the time of Jacob's troubles. Israel's back in as a nation, and we haven't quite figured out how to work in this corridor of transition. And I, um, I just think that's where the church finds itself in a quandary. But let me, if I might, list five things that are going on right now in the world. Um, perilous times will come in the last days. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 3. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times. When will be lovers of themselves? And you might say, well, that's been going on for a long time. Okay. Second Peter 3, 2, 4, that you may be mindful of the words, mindful of the words that were spoken by the holy prophets and of the commandment of our Lord, of us, the apostles of the Lord Jesus, knowing first that scoffers will come in the last days. Where's the promise of his coming? In other words, you guys have been talking about this for a thousand years or so, and he's, he hasn't come. Two, Knowledge will increase. Daniel, this is in Daniel 12, verse 4, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. In 1900, knowledge was increasing about every 100 years. In 1945, every 25 years. In the year 2000, every 13 months. They're now saying that knowledge is going to begin to double almost every 12 hours hmm. wow. on the planet. Knowledge is increasing. And you get, that's a Google statement. That's not a, um, a biblical one. And then here's a fourth one. Israel will be regathered. Jesus warned about this. Know the parable from the fig tree. Israel is now a nation again. That, that is filling promises that go back to Deuteronomy, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and, and several others where he says, I'm going to whistle for them and regather them for the four corners. That's happening and has been happening since the late 1800s when the real Aliyah began. Right. But what's so there's just exciting things to note that these things are all precursors of the things that will happen and begin to be visible to us that we should cause us to, to rise up and to look that things are happening right now that are present. The world will not get this. As a matter of fact, it says that in Daniel, it said the wise will understand, but they won't. There's great deception, and that this is the other piece that we need to recognize. It doesn't say Satan's deceiving the world. It says God will send a strong deception on that they will believe the lie because they did not love the truth. And so God himself is laying a deception over their eyes that will not allow them to see what's taking place or understand it. But the church should. There is no reason for the church not to understand this. And if I can just put a footnote on that one, Gary, in terms of the Aliyah, meaning the migration of Jews back to the promised land, I've heard about this debate for so long, and I finally read through the Bible and said, I'm going to find every verse that would relate not to when the Jews had the opportunity to return to the land in 539 BC, once the Babylonian Empire uh, collapses to the Persians, uh, I believe it's King Darius that comes into power, and he he allows the Aliyah, but one but passages that will only talk about an Aliyah right before Jesus comes back. In other words, the Jews coming back um, right before Jesus' return, and I'm 
I'm in line with you, Gary, in the current day and hour. So anyway, I found over 20 passages that do not make sense on the 539 BC Aliyah because only 2 to 2.6% of the Jews actually did go back, according to scholars, during that time frame. This is a much greater Aliyah. It is going on. We could talk about this for an entire podcast, uh, but go ahead with number five. Number five is a big one. Um, it has to do with 666. And it says that's the mark of the beast, but it also says it's the number of man, he who has wisdom calculated. And in Psalms, it says, I will not contend with man forever. In other words, there's the limit to what God's plan is and was before the foundation of the world in dealing with sin. This is the great answer to Daniel's uh, requests in chapter nine. And the key to that passage, which we're not going to get into a lot today, but the key to it is Peter. He said, every day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. But he said, do not forget this one thing. It is the key to the passage. And let me just give you two examples that will that I can support where we are in Scripture and where, and where this is coming. And none of this has to do with predicting the day or hour. It says, you shall know the season. Remember Revelation. These things are written, last chapter, that you may know the things that must soon take place. In other words, it is God's heart for his people to know the things that are about to take place. But when Peter wrote that, do not forget this one thing, there's a reason why Jesus waited four days to go raise Lazarus from the dead. And if you go to Hosea chapter 6, 2, it says, in two days, I will revive them that they may reign with me. That's about Israel being revived. And guess what? We are 2,000 years after the Christ's death and resurrection. And the next thousand years, which is the day that they will reign with him, is the millennial kingdom that's coming. We have ample evidence. Now, having saying that is discerning it, but then you say, like they did to John the Baptist, what then should we do? In other words, he announced the kingdom about repenting, and they said a very natural thing, which the church ought to be asking, okay, what do you want us to do in light of these things? And now let's take just a couple, in Hebrews 10, stirring each other up to love and works as you see the day drawing near. In other words, there is ample evidence in Thessalonians and other scriptures that the body of Christ should be perceiving that this day is coming, and I think to some extent, we still get wrapped up in trying to protect what we're doing in American stuff and not realizing God's unraveling something worldwide. You're going to see totalitarian governments in China. You just saw one fall in Afghanistan. This is a precursor of the things that will begin to take place that's set up for the man of perdition to be revealed and to unite this thing as a resistance core against Christ's return. And so um, the question becomes, what should we do? And that is laid out in scripture also. I, again, um, in, in these Insights podcasts, we're always warning the nation from a biblical perspective of what's going on, um, as well as help people respond in faith. And we're going to turn the corner responding faith here in a little bit. But in light of what you just said about this totalitarianism, it is stunning of what's going on. Um, just, uh, I believe it was yesterday, um, and I just want to read part of this article, just to think about the overreach, the reach of what's going on now throughout culture. L- listen to this. Uh, author and commentator Candace Owens, and for the YouTubers, I want to get her picture up on the screen. Um, author and commentator Candace Owens was denied medical care in the form of a coronavirus test by a Colorado laboratory because of her political beliefs. Owens was sent a letter by Aspen Laboratories co-founder, Susanna Lee informing her that her, quote, 
booking was being canceled and that she would be, quote, denied service because of both her aversion to governmental face face mask mandates, not face masks, but mandates. That's what we talked about earlier in the area of coercion. And her analysis of the effectiveness of vaccine shots. Okay, here's the point is that they're not letting every voice out there. And and in our previous podcast, we talked about censorship, but this now censorship with this kind of example and what President Biden shared, this is totalitarianism. And and I want to back up because everything we're talking about in this end time scenario, as you just summarized, it's related to this man of, of perdition, the sinful one, the lawless one, uh, emerging eventually into power. But the stage is being set, I believe, right now, as some have said, um, if this is not Jesus' second coming, it sure is a great dress rehearsal. Um, you know, I, I actually don't believe it's a dress rehearsal. I believe this is it. Um, and so don't ask me about time frames. Uh, the Bible says don't don't try to guess the day or the hour, but I believe we're in the season of this. Absolutely. And so, so this totalitarianism, uh, uh, amazing book um, that, that Rod Dreyer uh, wrote, uh, Live Not By Lies, and uh, this is stunning. I recommend it for everybody, but he, he, he defines a couple things that are super important. Totalitarianism first, and that's where we're, I'm going right now, and then the difference between soft totalitarianism, which is what we're experiencing in America right now, and it, it versus hard totalitarianism. So let me just, just highlight this briefly. It says, to grasp the threat of totalitarianism, it's important to understand the difference between it and simple authoritarianism. Authoritarianism is what you have when you, when the state monopolizes political control. That is mere dictatorship. Bad, certainly, but totalitarianism is much worse. According to, to Hannah Arendt, the foremost scholar of totalitarianism, a totalitarian society is one in which an ideology seeks to displace all prior traditions and institutions with the goal of bringing all aspects of society under control of that ideology. A totalitarian state is one that aspires to nothing less than defining and controlling reality. And I feel like that's going on with COVID. They're trying to do it in other ways as well. You mentioned the fear narrative that's been pushed at us um, through COVID, certainly and predominantly, but many other areas as well. Anyway, it goes on to say, truth is whatever the ruler decides it is. As Arendt has written, wherever totalitarianism has ruled, it has begun to destroy the essence of mankind. That's what we're facing here. And I want to punctuate this because this is what the man of perdition, or in other words, the one who wants to bring destruction, and wherever totalitarianism goes, it brings destruction. This is what is going on uh, uh, right now. Now, in a closing statement, um, He's, uh, Rod, Rod Dreher says this, as part of totalitarians' quest to define reality, a totalitarian state seeks not just to control your actions, but also your thoughts and emotions. Think about what's going on today. Anyway, it goes on to say, the ideal subjection of a totalitarian state is someone who has learned to love Big Brother. And I'm wildly... <laughs> unglued, frustrated, or whatever with this, because learning to love Big Brother, it's like, oh yeah, the government's my savior. The government's asking, they tell me to take this shot. Well, I should take this shot, and everybody should take this shot, and we should have forced vaccines and all this kind of stuff. And really, 
so much of this comes back to what Benjamin Franklin said before, and it's so important, but he saw it back in the 1700s, how much more we should be able to see it as freedom-loving Americans today. And now we're bringing in here the biblical perspective in the end times. But Benjamin Franklin said this, if you, to give up a little bit of your freedom, to have a little bit of security, you deserve neither, and you will lose both. Yeah, we're in, um, and that's, uh, again, this, uh, it's going back to a bigger picture, the worldview I'm, I was born in the United States. I dearly love the country and I'm grateful that for the heritage that it carries. But for us in the body of Christ, we cannot uh, lose the Judeo-Christian worldview that this whole thing is pooling up or spooling up to a place. I mean, just look at the internet for a second. Um, it's, a, it's a way that we have all freely given information up into a system that can be used. And we're seeing that now um, with talk about, well, you can't get a passport unless you do this. I mean, we have freely given information about ourselves and I'm not, uh, you're not going to change that at this point. I mean, it's, it's moving down a path that God wants. And the key here, I think for the Christians is do not be fearful, get your eyes on the Lord because it's the only thing that will get you through or us through this. And second of all is to um, remember what was said in Zephaniah, and this has to do about what should we be doing in the meantime, as these things are unfolding and we watch, how should we intercede? How should we pray? Um, we are to be a standard of truth. We are to be a light because I do believe many, 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 many people will be saved in this hour. Amen. God is going to throw open the gates of his kingdom. And, it's, and again, I mentioned earlier, it's going to be what I believe is the dragnet phase of the kingdom. But it says in Zephaniah, seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness, seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. That's from Zephaniah. Then this is from Revelation 19. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And so individually and collectively, Lord, what are you asking us to do to display those righteous acts in this hour? By the way, in Zechariah, it says Jerusalem will be known as a city of truth or righteousness when Jesus reigns there. So we, as the bride, can emulate the very things that are about to happen, and that will be attractive um, to people who just don't know Jesus, but are finally getting it that this is a mess. And, um, but it's never a mess that's outside of God's hands. And that's the other thing we all need to, to remember in terms of uh, where we're going with this. Okay, so as we're talking here about really responding in faith and taking the clear steps that you're outlining, I want to also highlight for everybody um, uh, Psalm uh, 107, Super important light of what we're talking about here in terms of why God brings the pressure on nations. And as we're saying in the end times, it's a global pressure. It's not just our nation. And, and he, he talks there, the psalmist talks there about not only why God brings this oppressive atmosphere in different ways, not just totalitarianism, but that's implied or included, and that's what we're talking about today, but other ways too that God does this. And then 
the people, how the, the people are to respond to God and how they, they can be freed and how they can see this. Now, we're not ultimately going to be freed, especially in the end time scenario, until Jesus returns. But that is not in Psalm 107, but it's another way this thing, whole thing plays out, that we walk with God, we see why the pressure's been applied, and then we're responding in faith, and then we're, we're longing all at the same time for Jesus' second coming. So, so Psalm 107 is very helpful and informative. Again, um, sorry, people listening on Spotify and, uh, and Apple Podcasts, but for the YouTubers, I want to put up the specific verses there to highlight in Psalm 107. But I encourage everybody to read that here, um, uh, read that here, here soon. So, so we want to, again, just continue here um, to drill down about this whole area of responding in faith in light of the day and hour we're we're living in. Um, uh, Gary, can you can you go any further with this whole whole thing about like when you even think of your own life responding in faith right now with a view to Jesus' second coming? Well, I know immediately one of the things that we need to do is don't forsake the gathering together. In other words, find people. It's not about getting together and arguing about when the rapture is going to occur. It's it's saying, Lord, I'm here. I'm your servant. Um, um, there's, and we need to gather together and seek the face and the, of the spirit. And he said, he'll guide us into all truth, which is righteousness. And he'll direct our paths and help us to understand what we're supposed to do. And I do believe that it's very important that we meet together. I think the, to a certain extent, the church has operated and circled itself around sometimes around national leaders, which leaders, which have been a little kind of a lone rangerish thing. And that was fine for a season, but we're moving into a very different corridor of preparation. And that's the other thing that we have heard and seen. Be careful that you're not using old wineskin things, which were right for their time, but they're not right for this next time. New wineskins are needed because nowhere in scripture does it say he's going to pour his spirit into old wineskins. The new wine is over here. And that's those five virgins of the 10 that got up and they put, they trimmed their flasks and said, I better wake up. There's things going on here that I need to reorient my life. And I don't, I'm not here to tell you what that is for you. You need to seek the Lord because we're going to supposed to come out of Babylon. We're not supposed to forsake the gathering together. And we need to discover wherever God has planted you like-minded believers that you can gather and pray into this and say, Lord, what would you have us do in this hour? Much like those people asked John the Baptist when he said, what then shall we do? And he told the soldiers what to do. And he told these people what to do. And the, tax collectors. So we need to look for that same response out of the body of Christ this hour. Right. Uh, you know, um, again, going back to uh, Rod Dreher's book, uh, Live Not by, by Lies, and the whole point of this book is to help us understand totalitarianism in America, and obviously, as we're talking about here, an emergence worldwide, which paves the way for uh, the Antichrist to emerge. Um, and we're, we're more and more, we're subtly seeing our freedoms uh, go go away. And, and by the way, I believe if you can actually push people in this direction of having to take a vaccine or you're going to lose your job and things like that, if they can uh, mandate or I would say, again, coerce us towards having a vaccine or doing a hundred other things, if the government is at that point, there's nothing that will stop them from mandating anything. And we, we need to understand that. But I want to go back here, as I was just getting to with Rod Dreher's book, and that people have lived through totalitarianism. And it's such a now message for us today to be prepared, and that's what his book is all about. But um, 
in summary, he talks about three things that, that people that have really done well, it's related to what you were just saying, Gary, and it's to see, judge, and act. And I want to say this in the church. I don't believe we're seeing it because we don't talk about it on Sunday mornings or we don't talk about it wherever. It's almost like a little hallway conversation we have with a friend versus really getting the body of Christ in alignment with what's going on in the world today in terms of all the biblical implications and Jesus' return. But specifically, this is see. We need to see what is happening right before our very eyes. And I'm not going to get into censorship because we did on the last podcast, as I already referred to, but, but there's just stuff we should be seeing that stops the truth, and Jesus is the truth, the life, and the way. And so we, we need to see this. That's number one. Number two, when it says judge, it's really talking about something we've we are always talking about in Forerunners of America, and that is discern. Discern and understand and weigh it and, and think about the implications, what to do. And then also, the, the third area, it says act. And when you're talking about, Gary, being in like these small groups, not forsaking assembling together, but seeking God about everything that's going on in the world today, that's exactly uh, what this third point uh, from Rod Dreher is, is all about. Very important. We are moving into the time of um, like Daniel was, and this is where Christians are going to have to decide what they can go along with and what they can't. Uh, I know Christians that have taken the virus, uh, the vaccine, because God believes that they're they're supposed to, and some of them are traveling missionaries into countries that require the vaccine. But I've also heard him pray that the Lord would turn, just like He turned water to wine, the vaccine would be turned into water. So, and there's Christians who who haven't are taking a stand. This is not do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do, like Daniel did. There was things that Daniel permitted when they changed his name to Belteshar. He didn't get ranted, raved up about that. But there are certain things that he stood back and said, let me do this. And if we're better than these, in other words, I believe there's going to be Elijah moments set up where God is going to say, if God be God, worship him. If Baal be Baal, worship him. But Christians like this young lady you mentioned are going to need to be willing to say, this is where God has told me to stand and here shall I stand. Um, because the darkness is going to cover the earth. The scripture says that, mm -hmm. but a great light is going to rise and shine. And I believe that's the bride. And I loved Lance Walnow's word. The bride is an or, ordained and anointed to stand out among all the people at the wedding party. And I believe God is getting ready as we prepare ourselves. He will draw us into the, into the, the bride is going to rise up as that great light on the earth to attract people that the groom is coming. And so uh, we don't need to be afraid. We need to have conviction and understanding in the Holy Spirit where he's called each of us to stand, and it will look differently for each person. Right. So, and, and, uh, right. And, and just putting a footnote on what you were saying, it looked different for each person probably in a hundred ways, but specifically with the vaccine. I'm not saying um, or talking about in this podcast the, the pros and cons of taking the vaccine. I'm saying whether you've chosen to be vaccinated or not, if we're moving down the path of required vaccines that President Biden was talking about or mandated vaccines, we're, we're, uh, it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not, you should be standing against that because it should always be the individual's absolutely. Uh, right. Yeah, so, I agree. In, in our country, that is absolutely correct. Okay, Gary, so I want to make some really important closing comments here, uh, uh, meaning I, I, I want to hear from you too, uh, but, but I got to get this out again from Rod Dreher's book, and in Live Not By Lies, it's a quote um, from Alexander Solzhenitsyn who wrote Gulag Archipelago, and it's super important because it brings together not 
that totalitarianism is a separate topic from our Christian lives and, and, and our faith and all this stuff, but it's actually central. And this is what um, goes on to say, that we cannot hope to resist the coming of soft totalitarianism if we do not have our spiritual lives in order. This is the message of Solzhenitsyn, the great anti-communist dis- dissident and uh, an Orthodox Christian. He believed the core of the crisis that created and sustained communism was not political but spiritual. And we, when we look at stuff unfolding today, uh, right now in 2021 and more, more to come, um, we've got to see these things as fundamentally spiritual, and that's why we have to be attuned and discerning of what's going on. Goes on to say uh, that uh, that he that Solzhenitsyn really challenged his readers with this idea of live not by lies, and then and then he he goes on um, to explain that the foundation of totalitarian totalitarianism is an ideology made of lies. The system depends for its existence on a people's fear of challenging the lies. Solzhenitsyn says, "Quote: Our way must be never." knowingly support lies. And that is super important for us, even with the, the all the various narratives coming to us from the media that are based on lies and other narratives, not from the media. It's super important that we're never standing knowingly with those lies. goes on to say, you may not have the strength to stand up in public and say what you really believe, but you can at least refuse to affirm what you do not believe. You may not be able to overthrow totalitarianism, but you can find within yourself and your community the means to live in the dignity of truth. If we must live under the dictatorship of lives, Solzhenitsyn said, then our response must be, quote, let their rule hold not through me. Do not be complicit with lies is what this is all about. We stand firm in faith, believing God, the God of truth. And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth repeatedly by Jesus. This is where we stand, and we do not compromise. Yeah, very good. I guess my kind of wrap discussion would be that um, I think this is the hour because it's the hour, beginning of the hour of darkness, uh, the time of Jacob's trouble. Do not contend with Satan. Contend with God our Father. That's the place where Jesus always dealt with is because God controls the narrative of even dark times. And that's where we need to contend. And matter of fact, it says in Daniel seven, that even though it looks like the enemy's winning as he begins to do things, it says he's winning until thrones were set up and the ancient of days came forth and began to rule in the favor of the saints. That's where we begin to contend and use scripture to contend with God. He wrote these words. We didn't. And so that's where we need to learn and find and fix our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith in in this day. And so don't be fearful. Get in your spirit, not a bravado spirit or a braggadocio spirit, but a humble spirit that wants to seek God for what I'm doing each day. And he'll guide us through these times. Remember the great warrior Psalm, Psalm 91, the very first verse says, if you abide in the shadow of the Almighty, these things become beneficial to you. So the place of beginning here is to abide in the shadow of the Almighty and with him during this hour. And guess what? What did Daniel do three times a day? He went by himself back to his apartment, opened the windows towards Jerusalem, and individually he committed himself back and forth to God in the middle of a very dark government. We need to be doing the same thing individually. So I just would encourage you to, to think about those things. 
Awesome. And again, you just highlighted Daniel 7, the fourth beast of Daniel 7 coming forth, the difficulty in the last part of Daniel 7. If you, if anyone is listening to this and does not believe that totalitarianism is part of the end time scenario and what's going yes. on in America right now, read Daniel 7, especially uh, the the uh, interpretation of the, the fourth beast. beast. Gary Crawford, thank you. Um, awesome, helpful stuff. Helpful to me. I, I trust it's been helpful to you as well. Remember to subscribe and like on YouTube. Pass this link along as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and the Sound SoundCloud. Please help us get the fresh man of the now message out there for everyone. Now, we've covered censorship in the last podcast. We've covered totalitarianism in, in this podcast Next, coming up, we're going to be looking at socialism slash Marxism. Of course, it's all related to what we talked about in this podcast and even the last one. We're going to take this a step further because it's a now message from the Bible. I have no interest in talking about things on the news unless it's something that's going to help us with our faith right now. So we look forward to being with you next time on Insights. 